Welcome to Human Dreaming, the podcast for curious dreamers. I'm your host, Britt Shefflin. Ioana Serpanos is a recognized, experienced, and well-respected medium and mentor to developing mediums. Originally trained as an engineer, Ioana combines her practical process-driven engineering skills with her inherent psychic and mediumship skills, inspiring and motivating others to lead passion-driven lives. Author of Giving Spirit a Voice, The Mechanics of Mediumship, and her newly released Giving Spirit a Voice, Mediumship Journal, Ioana brings practical teachings and grounded spirituality to students in person in Australia and online around the world. She is a mom to one brilliant daughter who lights up her world and her beautiful fur baby buddy, the healing dog. Ioana Serpanos, welcome to Human Dreaming. Thank you so much, Britt, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. It is so exciting to have you. And I just have to laugh reading your bio, how many things that I don't know if it would be called having them in common, but the title of your book, Giving Spirit a Voice, The Mechanics of Mediumship. We have a very similar style because the title of my book is Human Dreaming, The Dynamics of Dream Interpretation. <laughs> and then I have the matching journal to go along with it. I also have one brilliant daughter who lights up my world. And we also have the exact same logo color themes. <laughs> so. I love it. Synchronicity. It sounds like we very much are soul sisters there. And I, I love how sometimes I, I always believe like attracts like. And uh, it seems to me that you must think and feel and navigate life in a very similar way to me. Apparently so. We certainly have similar tastes. I love it. <laughs> do you do you keep a dream journal? I do. I've been journaling for a long, long time. And I think the journaling process is really important in general. Um, I use it to get to know my soul better. And part of the soul process is, of course, dreams. That's how our higher self, our higher mind, our soul mind, if you like, communicates with us. So to keep a journal and to reflect back on themes, common themes and messages and imagery that's coming through, I think is incredibly valuable. So tell me about your, your dream journaling. Well, and journaling in general, actually. So we'll talk about dream journaling and then what other mm. forms of journaling you like to use. Um, but how, when, when do you do the different types of journaling, like morning and evening? Um, and you're doing your dream journaling and then how are you using that information that you get from your dreams? Yeah, so I tend to be a little flexible. I think sometimes if you put too, this is me, I know everyone works differently, but if you put too many rules and structures around, it sometimes will interfere with that natural process that rises up. So I feel it's important not to get overly prescriptive as long as you make a commitment and you're regular in that commitment in whatever that forms. So I tend to go when I'm inspired. Typically, um, if I'm journaling with dreams, I always have 
journals all around my place in my office, next to my bed, in my lounge room, in my sitting room, wherever I am, so that if I do get inspired, I can instantly journal. But from a dream perspective, I think having one by your bedside table and jotting down things before you put your feet on the ground so before you get up i find that as soon as your feet touch the ground and you become grounded into the now the everyday whatever your morning routine is you do lose the essence or the a lot of the details of your dreams so if you can capture them really quickly using a journal by your bed that's what i would recommend i'm old school i love to write so i have beautiful journals uh, but if you're not a writer, re voice record them. That's another thing I use if I'm on the go very quickly so that you can go back to listen to that from a smartphone or I think most people have smartphones these days. Uh, in terms of your other question of journaling in general, the question that I like to check in with myself regularly is I just write across the top of my journal, my soul wants me to know, and then I see what comes out. And often it's quite incredible. Uh, you go back and you think, oh, wow, you know, uh, there was some insight here that has now played out into my life or there's an advice that was given numerous times that I ignored or, um, you know, uh, sometimes I'll be inspired to draw or a symbol will come up. So, and I don't question it in the process as I'm doing it. I just let it flow. Yeah, that, that is so interesting. I have never heard of that journal prompt before, and I would love to hear more about the types of things that come up for you or even your clients. Um, and if that is something that you recommend that they do as well in their journaling, I'm not sure, but how does that work? Hmm. I do. Um, um, as you said in, in the introduction, obviously my expertise is um, mediumship. So mediumship is soul to soul communication. So it's from soul, a discarnated soul, a soul that has no body that has crossed over through soul, which is the soul of the medium, to soul, which is my clientele. And I feel when I'm developing mediums in particular, but I also think if you're just on the spiritual path or the self-development path, or you want to understand yourself better, uh, really checking in with what your soul wants you to do and what your soul wants you to, or to notice or to bring to your attention is incredibly valuable because the deeper we know ourselves, you know, there's that saying, heal and know, know thyself, right? So the more we know ourselves intimately, the more that we can expand, we can grow, we can develop, we can lead more aligned lives. And uh, my sort of soul work, including my clients, is uh, looking at blind spots. Quite often I'll get things, I'll have my, my mental mind will get put me on a path while I'm nutting out an issue and then my soul will bring me that deeper insight and often I'll check myself and have a bit of a giggle and think, oh yes, that's the ego mind saying it wants to do A, B and C, but my soul mind is saying this is a better solution, it's a deeper solution. And if you're open to that and you're vulnerable enough to, fake, to mirror yourself, you know, to look at yourself that deeply, I, I can't tell you, I have grown so incredibly as a person, as a mother, as a, as a you know, citizen in society, and certainly as a, as a medium and a teacher of mediums. Um, and, you know, there's no, my, my soul has no limit. So the things that come out onto the page are unlimited as well. So they, you know, I will ask my soul if I'm mulling over a problem, 
uh, I'll say my soul wants me to know and then boom there it comes in I will talk about you know I'm currently going through a shift a vibrational shift I know new guides have come in over the Christmas period for me quite, quite a lot so that I'm in a state of flux and I've just been journaling about that and I'm getting all these insights on what are they here to help me with uh, you know where am I going next um, and and how does that look like? And the information is quite incredible. So I really recommend it to your listeners as a process. That is, that is great information, thank you. And it did bring up another question. You mentioned um, soul mind and ego mind. Is that something that you have to train or that you trained yourself to be able to differentiate between the two? And then a, a second and third part to that question is, do you train your mentees to be able to identify those? And if so, what tools might you use to do that? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, so I very much, and it's just part of natural human growth, especially when we're younger, we tend to be ego-driven. And in my world, ego is not a dirty word. Like I know a lot of people throw it around as it's terrible to have an ego. An ego has purpose, it keeps you safe, it has a function. But there is, we are a soul embodied in a human, uh, you know, template, if you like. The soul mind is eternal. So the soul mind carries wisdom. It carries all the insights and um, of the lifetimes that you've had. And it's like a big data bank of information, if you like, experiences, feelings that stay with you and are carried with you. The egoic mind references just your everyday. So it gives you the limited view. So how did I find out the difference? When I'm working from the soul mind, I feel very expanded. And I do go through a process which is called sitting in the power in mediumship circles where it is an active primed meditation where we are grounding but we are setting an intention of moving up through the chakra system to really connect to source wisdom to our highest guidance and you will feel lighter expansive and when that wisdom flows through particularly in the journaling process it comes in as a continuous flow of information, a download, if you like. Other people might call it a channeling. And you're just writing and writing and writing. The minute I stop and I lift my eyes up and do an um or I'm going into the thinking brain, then my egoic brain comes in. And my the information that comes is limited. It feels heavier. It feels denser. And this is what I try and... Um, I take my mentorees through that process so they can understand when it comes through. I give them a process where I just get them to write first and they actually get quite stuck. They can't actually think about, oh, what am I going to write? Oh, I don't know. And all that ego side gets in and the little voices of, oh, is it, you know, is what I'm writing going to be good, isn't it? So we're questioning and we feel insecure. And, and the minute we go into that focused meditation and we expand out and we just put pen to paper, and we just allow things to go through. They're always surprised and delighted by what sort of information flows. And the other clue here is when your soul mind is talking, often the words are not in your day-to-day -day vocabulary. So they do come from that higher wisdom. That is really interesting and helpful. And I just love what little tools like that for being able to shift your focus in, within consciousness. So um, that's a, one that I hadn't heard of before. So I really appreciate that. 
Can you tell me about, have you ever had a dream that has really stuck with you or changed your life in some way? Yes, absolutely. I have. Um, even I see them all the time in, through my mentorees and through clients, but on a personal level, before I really knew that I was a medium and obviously I was working as an engineer and I was very logic focused and solutions focused. And, you know, I loved that part of my work. Uh, but my, um, I was always getting insights to things and often it would come through my dream state. So I would see things, uh, I'd be mulling over a design problem and, and then a solution would come in my mind um, and it would come in almost as an aha. And those sorts of dreams are the ones that stay with you rather than dissolve instantly. So I believe that we do have dreams that we sift and sort a day through and it's just a way of putting all our experiences into boxes, into compartments, but the ones that are a bit more profound do stay with us and we do tend to remember them and they're quite vivid. And one of them in particular, so before I understood I was a medium, I, um, my family of origin, if you like, um, I, although I was born in Australia, I have a Greek heritage and my grandparents lived in Greece. And I distinctly remember in my mid-20s having this very vivid dream that my grandfather came to me and was saying goodbye to me. And it was, you know, one of those early morning dreams. I felt emotional. I feel emotional as I'm talking about it. I, I know that I was crying in my sleep um, and I know that I woke um, from that sleep because it was quite a, you know, deeply moving and personal experience. And I thought, oh, I, I wonder, and then I just had this feeling and this realisation that I think he'd passed. And I obviously had gone back to sleep. It was early hours. It might have been 3.30 or something like that in the morning. And um, very early the next morning, around 7, 7.30 in the morning, my mother had called me. It was actually her father and had said, um, your grandfather passed away. And um, when I reflected back and asked her what time was it, when did you know when did he pass it, it actually translated to that time frame for me obviously he's on the northern hemisphere we're in the south here so it, it was daylight for him but it was evening for me and um that really stayed with me because i know it was his way of saying oh well you can't come to me um and i had booked tickets to go which made it especially sad and i missed him because i, I didn't get there in time and um, he, he came to me. And that type of experience I now know as a medium is quite common where, you know, if people are unable to be by the, the bedside of their loved ones and unable to be present during their passing, um, or they're just missing them, they will come through to them in the dream state. Because uh, in, at, when we are dreaming, our conscious mind, is, is sleeping and obviously our part of our brain that keeps us alive and keeps us breathing is going. But from an energetic perspective, the bandwidth clears, which means spirit as an energy, as a frequency, can cut through the day-to-day -day thinking and be able to communicate in that way. And it's really quite beautiful to have that experience. And for me, it gave me a lot of comfort as much as I grieved it at the time. And it wasn't until I learned about mediumship um, and then through my training, someone had bought through my grandfather to say, yes, I'd come to say goodbye to you, uh, that it did. It gave me that sense of closure, that sense of peace. And 
Um, and, and, and spirit does come through a lot in the dream state as well. So what I'm describing is very common. I see it um, and hear about it in my, when I'm giving my readings and certainly when I'm training people as well. So it's just a beautiful way to know that um, the vehicle of dreams, if you like, or, the, or that, that state of dreams is used in such a beautiful and healing way as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate that explanation because the way that I break dreams down for people, that type of dream would be under a dream subtype of, so there's like the main um, dream type, which is there's like three different options. And then further underneath that is the subtype. And so it would be a, a spiritual subtype, right? It's a, a spiritual yeah. experience that people have. And so I use that broad of a term because it can mean so many different things to so many different people. But those are the dreams that I get asked about the most often and people always want an explanation. And I don't very often have one to give because people have so many different beliefs and where they're coming from. But I really enjoy the way that you just explained that because you're right. We have different brainwave frequencies that we're using when we're asleep and it's really, you know, there is a Venn diagram where sleep and meditation and hypnosis, there's a point where they all kind of overlap and that is when your frontal lobe isn't particularly active. <laughs> you've got it and um, you've used all the technical terms and I love that as well and I know exactly what you're talking about and you know it's degrees of um, I didn't want to get too technical with the alpha waves and delta waves etc but it is it, it is exactly that and that is how mediumship works it, it, it literally and then to come in when your brain is in that meditative state or very light trance state or indeed if you you know we're in that deep sleep we're in that deeper trance and it's a very easy frequency match to come in at that time so i love that um it, it, it always fascinates me because we look at it all from different lenses right and different um different sciences if you like and but we still come back to this ultimate experience of and dreams are so fascinating but they are very much in the fabric of who we are uh, i always wonder you know do animals have dreams i don't know but certainly we do as part of that human experience and i feel we need it you know it's very important for us to dream and to have those dreams yeah absolutely I, i'm curious about animal dreams as well i mean clearly they are having similar experiences that we do, but you know, they also perceive the world differently than we do. So it would be so delightful to know what is going on in there. But yeah, clearly oh, I would agree. into something similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that that you do some training along um so I'll just call them spiritual dreams because that's my term yeah. for it, but um we can call it whatever you like with your mentees and then also mm. with your clients so you've mentioned that this is something that comes up frequently for you people coming to you with dreams of loved ones could you talk it about does those? and yeah absolutely Britt. it does and um, they often will come in and they they've had this beautiful experience and then people around them will say oh it's just wishful thinking or 
you're just making it up or you dismiss them. It's part of your grieving process. And for me, um, I will always um, validate it for them. Uh, and the way I validate it is because I'm what's called an evidential medium. So I don't ask for the detail of the dream, but I will go to their spirit person when I've linked and say, how did you come and what was said? What did you do? And those pieces of information will align with what they've dreamt. And that gives them confirmation that this indeed was an experience, an unexplained experience or an experience, a divine experience, whatever you want to call it, but it was an experience. And um, I also say to them not to be frightened to set an intention that they would like that visit. You know, so before you go to sleep, as you're dropping off, and, and we, we shouldn't demand it of them because I do believe spirit is they're people like you and I, and we wouldn't like to be told or demanded or something. But, you know, if you asked them nicely, I would love it if you, or I give you permission to, you know, visit me in my dreams. Um, I, and then just stay open to that process. Where it goes a little tricky is, is when we are grieving very heavily, our frequency, our density, our energy body is heavier and it makes it a little harder for those sorts of dreams to come through. And I have to explain that to my clients too, particularly in those first 12 months, they, they get very upset and say, oh, you know, my, my mum dreamt of my dad, but why isn't he coming to me in my dreams? And often they are. It's just that everyone processes grief differently, but also as souls, we're all on different levels of um, ability and, and um I want to say seniority, not from a better than, but just from a longevity perspective, you know, how many lifetimes has this soul had? Where are we in our development process? So there's lots of factors that come into this, um, fear being one of them as well. And often there's a religious overlay. Uh, my mother, who has a, a very strong faith, a uh, Christian faith, uh, wasn't seeing a lot of her dreams or was indeed denying them. So my mother has quite a few prophetic dreams and she would talk to me about them and almost it would be, oh gosh, you know, is this right? Should I be talking about this? Shouldn't I? Because she's got the overlay of, of religion that comes in there, um, but also wanting that reassurance. So there's a lot of factors I think that will prevent us from openly uh, appreciating the dreams as they come and and being able to interpret them i also believe uh dreams are never always literal there's a lot of symbology in dreams because it does come in from that creative side of the brain and i also encourage my mentorees to build up what i call their uh symbol library so to work out with your higher self your i call it your spirit team your higher soul when you are seeing recurring themes in your dream journal, what, what does it mean for you? Because some symbols are universal. If I hold up a hand and say, stop, I could do that in China. I could do it in Norway. I could certainly do it here in Australia and everyone would understand. I wouldn't have to necessarily speak English. But there's other colours or animals or uh, objects that do mean very different things to people, including numbers. So work that out with your team. What does that mean for you? And then once you've got your library sorted, then the way that you dream can be influenced as well because you'll start to get these agreed symbols coming in more often for you. So you can say, oh, when I see that, I know it means this. Uh, so I'll give you an example. So if I see a date in my dream, I've now said to my spirit team, I want to see a birthday cake next to it. If I'm, it's a birthday that I need to be aware of, 
I want to see two rings together if it's an anniversary date that I'm, you know, being aware of, made aware of, or if it's a passing, I want to see a gravestone, for example. These are three simple things that I can now add context to a date that I might dream about in my dream state. So see how that works? So I do feel personally you can, um, we can just let dreams happen, of course, or we can start to put a little bit of context around it. So it's easier to interpret for ourselves. Certainly. And are you doing with the date example, are you doing that within the dream as in like a lucid dreaming question or are you doing it yeah. the night before in a journal? Oh, if, if I, a uh, bit of both, um, some, more often than not, I'll set an intention and then go to sleep. So through a journal, I, I'll say when I wake up uh, tomorrow, these are the things that I would like to have some clarity about and it could be a date or it could be what you know what next to do or solve a problem um, and that works very very well for me because but I let go and you've got to let go of an expectation otherwise you're sitting there all night mechanically thinking you've just got to journal it and then let it go and just let the process happen and if that and then if you wake up I find it's the dreams that I have between five and seven in the morning that are the most noteworthy for me. Anything prior to that, it's just part of the cleaning out, clearing out process. So it's those, that last, what I call that last cycle before coming out of that last deep sleep cycle. That's really important. And that's where I say to people, don't put your feet on the ground yet because you've got to capture that part of your whatever you've been dreaming about there. And that happens a lot. Sometimes I will just lie there, something mulling over anything, and I do go into that lucid dream state. And that's when I'm seeing a lot more imagery coming through. And I'm also conscious of the feelings that I'm getting, emotional as well as physical feelings in my body. Uh, so two ways will work equally as well. Very cool. So you, you are able to ask that within the dream. Yes. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it takes time, and that's what I say to, you know, don't expect to do this straight away. It is a discipline. It takes, it's a practice, like anything. We've just got to set an intention, be prepared to experiment, be prepared to fail, and be prepared to be vulnerable and just see what comes up. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, I haven't done a whole lot of lucid dreaming recently. I had, I've had periods in my life where it happens very frequently. But um, I haven't had one for quite some time now. I'll have to ask for one and see if I can use that technique. <laughs> I would love to hear what your experiences are if you do get that. It would be really interesting to see how well it translates. Um, unfortunately with us, and, and I can see it in you, and I certainly know with me, when you're highly intelligent, you do try to you know, be in charge of things and control things and direct things and nut it out with your you know, intelligent mind. And there's a fine line between, yes, getting a process, but then letting go. And I liken it when I teach it to the students. I talk about when we're learning to drive a car, we, know we need to know all the rules and we're very conscious of putting on our seatbelt, checking our mirrors and doing all those things. And then there comes a time where we've learnt the rules and we just automatically, we've embodied those teachings. And when we can embody it like that, we just let go and see what happens and let it flow. I love that. So I wanted to do a little bit of a thought experiment. Um, so this doesn't have to be logical, although you're welcome to use your engineer mind for this as well. 
you can come at it from any angle that you would like, but it's um, a bit of a two-part question. So first of all, if you were able to get a message out, a, a phrase, an idea, a thought, a technique, anything at all that you would like to share with billions of people around the world, what would that message be and how would you transmit it? And it could be in any way at all that your imagination can come up with. Okay, I'm going to lean into that one for a moment and just see what will come out. Um, so what I, I just uh, literally just went in and asked what would that thought be? And what I was given was that a thought is a seed. And like all seeds, if you nurture and care for them, they're sustainable. And if you don't, it was an opportunity that didn't happen. And I got the visual of a dandelion with the, the little airborne seeds being flown out and some will grab and some won't, but they've left an impression and there's a beauty in that. So I guess how I would transmit it is thinking about these seeds and I, I saw some just fall off and blow away and some plant and grow into this incredible plant. And I feel, I do believe very much that thoughts create your reality. And I feel that's, that's where that's come from. So it's about planting seeds. Some will take, nurture them, some won't. And that's okay. We don't cry over the ones that didn't. I love that. It's beautiful. It's quite beautiful. I had this lovely imagery of that as I was thinking about what would it be. So yeah, thank you for the opportunity to do that thought exercise. I love it. Certainly that is, it's becoming my favorite thing because I've never had any two people answer it the same way and they're all just lovely. <laughs> so, it's great to be able to share that with everyone. Coming to the, towards the end of our time here, um, but certainly no rush, is there anything that you would like to talk about, anything that you would like to ask of the audience, anything that you would like to share? And that can be as much or as little as you would like. Well, the thing that I would um, like to share is I'm, I'm always fascinated in building my symbol library. So I would love to see uh, what symbols may mean to your audience. What do they look like? What is an obscure one? What is common? Um, that part of the dreamscape is very, um, it can be very personal, but there's always themes and I, I'm always intrigued to see. And often we get common ones, but I always look for obscure ones as well because it, it builds my knowledge base and it builds my library up as well. And I am particularly intrigued across culture as well because different cultures have different inputs. So that would be a question that I'd love to hear from your audience as well. Um, I would love to hear about what sort of symbology um, comes through for them in the dream state. Yeah, I would be interested in that as well. That was one of the questions I was planning on asking, but you covered it very beautifully talking about your mom um, having a background where she kind of suppressed dreams. And so I always love to know what kind of dream culture, you know, family culture, religious culture that people came from and what dreams were perceived as and how that plays into their current dream life. Um, I cannot speak for the rest of the audience, but I could answer my uh, technique with symbology if you would like. 
So, I would love to hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously symbology is incredibly important for dreams, but it's actually one of the very last things, the aspects that I examine when I have a dream. So I first figure out what type of dream am I having? What subtype of dream am I having? And those two things give me two different pieces of information that then dovetail together. And um, then I determine whether it was a psychologically caused dream or a physiologically caused dream. Then I identify the emotions and the emotional arc of the dream. And then I figure out what's literal about it. What are the literal aspects? And then I figure out what are the symbols and what those symbols mean to me personally. So while I find them to be very important, I actually find that if I start with the symbols first for me personally, that I get lost in those. And so for me, it really helps to parse out and identify all of those other aspects to the dream because by the time I get to the symbols, then all of a sudden they make sense. And I love that happens. technique. Mm, <laughs> it's a really great method because you're right. Um, I see it, people do can get unraveled if they're just focusing in on the symbols uh, without putting it into context, putting it into that container. So I, I love that technique. So thank you for sharing that with me as well. Um, and I, I agree with all those elements. I do feel that you have to feel how it feels. You know, if I set a dog for one person, they'll say, oh, gosh, it's vicious and it's an enemy. But for me, dogs are loyal and they're, you know, they're your companions and they're, you know, so I have a different take on that. So I would need to obviously see how I was feeling in the dream and what was happening to that dog. Was it attacking me? Was it defending me? And there's a lot of context in that as well. So I, I think that's a really good technique and certainly a good method. And like you said, all different cultures, whether that's religious, family, uh, or even regional, because uh, some cultures, of course, dreaming is incredibly important to them, particularly in the shamanic cultures. So it's always interesting and fascinating to me to see how what approaches are taken. Yeah, certainly. And that does remind me of one other thing that you might find as a helpful or not piece of information. But one of the things that I've really noticed is that, um, and one of the reasons why I'm so interested in people's culture and background is that um, common sayings and cliches and like I I think that in Australia you guys have a lot of colorful sayings as well but you know <laughs> we'll have different sayings and one of the ones that I use that is an example in my book is um, barking up the wrong tree so if somebody had a dream about their dog barking at a squirrel but the squirrels in this tree over here and the dogs barking at this tree over here they might describe the dream as oh the dog is barking up the wrong tree and then by the time they circle back around their, to their symbology and literal, they might find something like, oh, I'm barking up the wrong tree. I'm trying to date this person that doesn't like me at all, you know? Um, so yeah. circling back around to the, the culture and, um, you know, those common phrases. And that's another way that you can kind of tease out what symbology might mean is actually writing it down and then pulling out phrases like that. Mm, I love that too. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much, Ioana, for your time. I really appreciate it. And it's been absolutely delightful speaking with you. And I hope I get to do it again. 
Well, I would love to be back. Thank you so much to you and your wonderful audience and for giving me the opportunity to share my little, uh, you know, little take on the dream states as well. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Likewise. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We are supported by Human Dreaming, the dynamics of dream interpretation by Sunshine Press. The Human Dreaming book can be purchased on Amazon.com the Barnes & Noble website, or through your local bookstore. For DreamShare or help with interpretation, please join us at the Human Dreaming Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at human underscore dreaming. Thank you for listening and subscribing, and please join us again next week.